Welcome to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy, dedicated to celebrating women like you as you embrace a new beginning after divorce, separation, or whatever. I'm Mandy Walker, and I'm your host. Consider this. Your diamond ring, bridal set, or other diamond jewelry can be a hidden financial asset that helps you with that fresh start. But selling jewelry can be a nightmare. Worthy offers an easy, headache-free solution by partnering with you to help you sell your jewelry and get the best deal on your piece. Our quick and easy process means less work for you and more money when you sell, all done from the comfort of your home. Visit worthy.com to learn more. For this episode, we're talking about the state of divorce today. This conversation is centered around the results of an online survey commissioned by Forbes Advisor and conducted by the market research company OnePoll. While I didn't find anything surprising or shocking about the takeaways, I did think this would make for a fascinating discussion between myself and a couple of my professional colleagues, Karen Cubby and Karen McMahon. Both Karens have been on the show before, so you might recognize them. Karen Cubby describes herself as a recovering divorce attorney. These days, Karen is a divorce coach and consultant, mediator, author, speaker, and a collaborative divorce professional. She works with people all over the world, and her website is karencovey.com. Karen McMahon is a divorce and relationship coach. Karen is also the founder of Journey Beyond Divorce, which is where you'll find her, her website. Journey Beyond Divorce is a coaching organization that's focused on helping men and women navigate the emotional difficulties of relationships, breakups, and divorce. And as Karen says, she's the person she wishes she had by her side when she went through her divorce. Welcome to you both. It's great to be here. Thank you, Mandy. Hey, Mandy. Good to be here. Yeah. So let's... um start by talking about the reasons why people get divorced. I think this is really hard to quantify in any meaningful or statistically meaningful way. Every state in the U.S. allows for a no-fault divorce, which means that a person doesn't have to give a reason beyond the breakdown of the marriage for the divorce. So you can't go to court records and necessarily find that out. It's not in the U.S. Census. So, but for the Forbes survey found that thirty-four percent of the respondents said their marriage ended due to an affair. Now, as a mediator, I often do not know the reason for the divorce, and I think people often like wisely perhaps don't get into all of that because they say don't talk to your mediator about something you should be talking to your therapist about and they're also like keeping an eye on what money they're spending so very often I don't know why people are getting divorced um but what the let me come first to Karen McMahon what's been your experience with infidelity and the reasons for the end of a divorce yeah I I would say that that statistic feels fairly aligned with the last 13 years of of my business supporting people through divorce you know i think that once you get into the nuance it's interesting though because did the 
infidelity lead to the divorce or did the breakdown of the marriage lead to the infidelity and the divorce was going to happen anyway, which I have found more often than not, I rarely find a happily married couple where someone goes outside and cheats. I did have one and he was a, a sex addict. And so he had this propensity, but I do question that. Yeah, I think that's a that's a, a good point you raise. Karen Covey, what, what's been your experience? I agree 100% with what Karen McMahon said. In my experience, and having done this for more decades than I want to admit to, infidelity is a big factor in the breakdown of a lot of marriages. And I also agree that it's not always, it's what comes first, the cart or the horse, right? Did the infidelity cause the breakdown in the marriage? Or was the marriage already struggling and probably broken down, which caused the infidelity, which then caused the actual demise of the marriage, right? It, it's sort of circular, but infidelity is definitely one of the top causes that I've encountered. And I've seen some situations where there's an underlying problems with the marriage. One party is unfaithful. The other party discovers about it. And it's the other party then that ends the marriage. And it's the, well, the party who was having the affair didn't have the courage to end the marriage, or it's one of those exit affairs that is referred to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think the affair is often often a symptom of a breakdown in the marriage. And, you know, and then based on your faith background, your culture, and so many other things, um, there are many reasons people stay in unhealthy marriages. And so they could stay or they could go. But yeah, I think it's often a symptom. And then one of the other reasons that they gave for a breakdown of marriage is lack of family support. So, Karen, Mom, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I th- think that, that I had to think about that one for a bit. I, as well, had to think about it for a bit. And we were chatting offline a little bit. And really, I think I know my emerging adults live in other parts of the country. And so I think that certainly for younger people in their 20s and 30s, starting families and maybe two-income households, it may very well be that that lack of being around family and family support adds a real stressor. I tend to deal with my audience is high conflict um, and typically more between like 40 and 65, not so much. Occasionally I've had 30 something in there. And so that hasn't been my personal experience. How about you, Karen Covey? Exactly the same. (laughs) I mean, let's start by saying that You know, like we were talking online, I question how they put this study together and how they did the poll and who is answering it. By the answers that were given, it seems to me that the results were from people who skewed younger. Yeah. Because my, my, the people I work with also tend to be in the 35 and up group. Right. And I have never heard anyone say, our marriage fell apart because of lack of family support. It's just now it could have fallen apart because of family interference. You know, somebody was meddling or in a second marriage situation, the the kids from the two families don't get along together. Or, I mean, there can be a lot of family factors that affect a marriage. But if you're talking about lack of support, you're probably talking about a marriage that has 
you know, young kids involved and there's nobody there to help the parents, you know, also work, take care of the kids, do all the things that are required in today's world. And so the, the parents are feeling like super stressed and that contributes to the breakdown of the marriage. But since the biggest demographic of divorcing people skews older, it's the 50 plus crowd. That tells me that the people who answered the survey were probably younger, or that's my um, conclusion in any event. Right. And so I, just as you were talking, I was thinking lack of family support if you have young kids means like perhaps you don't have anybody to look after the kids for a weekend. So you as spouses don't ever get away for time on your own. So you're not actually spending the time taking the feeding and care of the marriage. It's all heavily weighted to just kind of getting through raising the, the kids. And it does. It takes a village, right? I mean, especially with two working parents. And so it, it makes sense that things would be a little bit easier being close to that kind of support. So I, I think logically it makes sense. It's just not, in, I don't think either of the three of our experience. Right. Well, that that kind of gets us back onto the, the next thing I was going to say. In, in this survey, they found that most most of the divorces in the survey happened between year three and year seven of a marriage and only 4% after 10 years. I haven't kept stats on my clients, but majority <laughs> of my clients have been married for a much longer duration than that. And I was thinking that might be an indicator more that somebody who's married for shorter durations, the situation is much more simple, it's less complex. Colorado, where I am, has done a lot of work in making the all the forms and the materials, a lot of self-help available for people. So maybe people in shorter term marriages can get it get through it on their own without coming using professional help. Um Karen Covey, I'm gonna come to you first for your thoughts on this. Yeah, I this is again not in line with what my experience is. And as a matter of fact, I just recently gave a presentation on gray divorce, and the statistics on that are pretty clear. The divorce rate among people 50 plus has more than doubled in the last 10 years, and the divorce rate for people age 65 and older has more than tripled. Most of them have long-term marriages. Not all. There's all kinds of different gray yeah. divorce. But the people that I work with tend to have been married for 10 plus years. So to look at the statistic that said most of the divorcing people were only married four to seven, that's just not in line with what I see in the clients I work with. How about you, Karen? Yeah, I, I would say the same thing. Most of my clients were talking two, three, four decades is now, again, I specialize in high conflict. Many of them will say they probably should have left one or two decades ago. Like, so there's, <laughs> so there's, you know, we're dealing with a certain segment of the audience that is unique because of the trauma and the disorder and, and all of that that goes along with it. And, you know, I, I think the same thing as you, Mandy. It's like the less years, maybe the less kids, the less assets. It may be that it's less complex. And when are you going to hire a mediator or a coach or someone who's going to help you when you're really neck deep in complexities and have the funds too for that added support? So I'm wondering if, 
again, maybe young people who are married less years, they just do the do-it-yourself divorce and and they're not crossing our paths so much. Right, right. And the other thing too, I read this someplace, I don't know if it was in this survey, is that younger people, they're actually waiting to get married. So it's an interesting, it's almost like a conflicting statistic. So I don't, I don't quite know what to make of it. Well, I thought that that could be a reason why we see the percentage of divorces swaying more to the older group because there's fewer people getting married in their 20s. So there's fewer people in their 20s getting ma- getting divorced just by definition. So that means that the, the divorces have to be happening at an older age. So, Again, interesting. Okay, here's another one, interesting one. Most people, 92%, knew other people who'd been divorced. And that doesn't surprise me, but it kind of got me on to thinking about that age-old question that you see sometimes, like, um, is divorce contagious? (laughs) And I'm going to come first to you, Karen Kelly. Yeah, I mean, before we even get into that, I mean, this just made me question the whole validity of the 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 poll or study <laughs> or whatever they did. Doesn't everybody know that many people who's been divorced? You know, know someone that's been divorced? How unless you're living under a rock in the U.S., you're you can't get to be 18 years old and not know anybody who's been divorced, right? So I kind of looked at the statistic and I went, yeah, you're trying to make this be something that it's not. But the whole idea of is divorce contagious? Now, that's a much more interesting question to me because it does seem that once one person gets a divorce and starts it in a friend group or in a social circle, then that makes it more likely that other people in that same circle will also take the plunge. And I don't have any statistics on this, but I can just tell you that it certainly seems to be true. And I think it has to do with our own social perception and the stigma of divorce. I mean, divorce is definitely less stigmatized now than it was 50 years ago. However, that doesn't mean that it's not stigmatized at all. And when someone finally does it, I think that you know, help makes other people who are around that person take a look at their own life and say, hmm, how's my marriage? Is this what I want? Look, this person is doing it. If my marriage, if I've been one of those people who's been struggling for decades to make a decision, maybe watching someone else have the courage to do that prompts me to say, maybe it's a decision that I could make too. So to the point of it being contagious, I do think it's like, when someone dies that you know, you know, all of a sudden you're, you, it makes everybody who is in touch with that person look at life as being a little bit more precious for a little while and then we all forget again. But I think that's what happens with divorce. Yeah. How about you, Karen McMahon? Yeah, I, I don't quite know how I weigh in on this. The thought that just crossed my mind is you buy a car and then everyone on the road all of a sudden is driving the same car as you because now you've got this perspective. I know for me, I went into a 12-step program when I just knew my marriage was unraveling. And so I was then exposed to other people who also had marriages who were struggling. And I think, you know, it's an interesting thing. I don't think contagious is the word that I would use, but I think that divorce is such a foreign land and so scary that if you're in 
a support group of any type. I was in a 12-step group. It's like you start talking to people and you start beginning to put the pieces together. And so I do think that being in a community of people that are struggling in one way or another, that you'll be exposed to more people that where you can learn from, where you can maybe normalize it a little bit, where you can have a pal. I, I had someone in my 12-step group, she was a mom of five. And I remember thinking, well, geez. And she wasn't working. I was a full-time employee. And I thought, well, if she can get divorced as a stay-at-home mom of five, it almost gave me permission that maybe I can do this and maybe this is available for me. So contagious, no, but I, I do think that there's something there that's that's worthy of exploring. It kind of helps you open your eyes and see the possibilities. Like I know for myself, you know, I'm here in this country on my own. I have no family in this country. And I think, and I also think just generally when marriages are troubled, people tend not to talk to their family about it because they're thinking, I don't want Thanksgiving to be awkward or Christmas to be awkward. So they hold back. So it's like, who do they go to talk to? Well, if they do have a friend who's ending their marriage, that's a perfect place to say, hey, can you share with me a little bit about what's going on? And then that that does start the cogs moving in your brain about different possibilities and maybe maybe I don't have to stay in this. And especially I would say with, you know, t- today online, you can start looking at Facebook groups, you can listen to podcasts, like there's all these things that you can do, but also connecting with other human beings that that move you in that direction. Interesting stats all across. Yeah. Ladies, we're going to take a short break here. Listeners, you're listening to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle. We're talking about the state of divorce today, and we'll be right back, so do stay tuned. Moving past divorce is hard enough without your old engagement ring staring you in the eye every time you open your jewelry box. With Worthy, you'll find a selling partner who will help you transform your ring from a symbol of the past to a financial asset to help you start fresh. Worthy takes care of everything, from insurance coverage to secure shipping, professional grading, and more. So when you're ready to sell, visit worthy.com. We're ready when you are. Welcome back to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle. I'm your host, Mandy Walker, and today we're talking about the state of divorce. I have two guests today. Karen Covey describes herself as a recovering divorce attorney. These days, Karen is a divorce coach and consultant. She works with people from all over the world. And Karen McMahon is a divorce and relationship coach. She's also the founder of The Journey Beyond Divorce. Karen says she's the person she wishes she had by her side when she went through her divorce. Now, before we go back to our discussion about the Forbes survey, Karen Covey, you have a quiz on your website that I thought you might like to share with our listeners. I would love to share it with your listeners because part of a big part of what I do, and I know what Karen does as well, is get people prepared for whatever is coming ahead at them. And so the quiz that I developed is called, Are You Ready for Divorce? It helps you figure out 
okay, if you're going to do this thing, how ready for it are you? Because the more prepared you are, the better you're going to do, period, full stop. So the quiz is available on my website at karencovey.com. That's K-A-R-E-N-C-O-V-Y.com. And it's on the header of almost every single page, every blog post. It just says, are you ready for divorce? Take the quiz and find out. It, it's quick, it's free, and it will really ease your mind to help you know, am I ready for this or am I not? That sounds like a really useful resource for, for people to try out. And um, we will make sure that the link to that is in the show notes. So listeners, you'll be able to check the show notes to get that link. Karen McMahon, you also have a quiz, but a very different quiz. Yes. And, and Karen Covey, I love your quiz. I think that that's brilliant and will be so helpful. I'm actually, my quiz is about assessing the health of your relationship. And so it's really, it's, it's, it's really early stage. So in about a dozen questions, you get a really clear sense if you're in a really healthy relationship, if it's got a little bit of trouble, or if it's higher up on the spectrum of high conflict. And so that's really what we're helping people figure out. And jbddivorcesupport.com backslash relationship help quiz is where you can find that. You'll also find it on the homepage of our website. And that again, sounds like a really helpful one because I think a lot of people don't, again, because people don't talk openly about what's happening in the marriage, they may never have heard of high conflict divorce and not even aware that that exists or even that some of the things that are going on in their marriage puts them into that sphere. So yeah, when when we we really created this because when you're in a relationship or a marriage for many years or a couple of decades, everything's normalized. And so, and there's so much that happens behind closed doors, as we know, that this is really meant to shine a spotlight, good, bad, or indifferent for you on on where you're at. Great. Thank you. And we'll put that link in the show notes as well. Thank you. So back to observations from this survey and, and for our listeners, this survey came from Forbes Advisor and was conducted by the market research company OnePoll. I will say that um, it's a survey of a thousand adults. And in 2021, there was 689,308 divorces. So a thousand is a very small sample size. I don't think it's statistically significant, but it's still interesting to talk about their, their takeaways. Um, one of the takeaways was that 63% of divorcees believe that a better understanding of the commitments of marriage would have helped them avoid divorce. So thoughts on that, Karen Covey? I would say that shows, again, to me that the people who answered this survey skewed younger. Because it's at that, it's when you're young that you really don't know. And you, you know, it used to be that there were a lot of faith-based programs about getting ready for marriage and what is this involved and do you, you know, try to help a young couple figure out, do you have the same values? Do you want the the same kind of lifestyle? Are you going in the same direction? Is this going to work? I know that a lot of those programs aren't, let's say, as well used as they used to have been. Many have sort of just sort of fallen by the wayside. And 
it I can see that, you know, if you're younger, you might not understand what the commitment of marriage truly means in all the senses of the word. If you've got somebody who's getting married at a later age, in their 30s, in their 40s and beyond, and certainly someone who's in a second or a third marriage, by that point, presumably, they know what they're getting into. So, you know, I don't doubt that that statistic is accurate for the people that were surveyed, but I don't know who was surveyed. Right, right. Karen McMahon, your thoughts on that? Well, I I will second everything that Karen Cubby said. You know, the one thought I have is people who get divorced generally, they, they talk about irreconcilable differences. But at the end of the day, these are usually individuals who have a really hard time communicating and problem solving together. And so the idea that there wasn't communication up front about, you know, what do you expect and how do you handle your finances? And when you think about bringing children into the world, what are your values and what's your faith and what's your, what is your relationship with money? And like all the things that, that we see have gone off the rails on the back end, like if people aren't having these conversations, so for me, I'm thinking all of these are the pieces of the commitment, right? We're committing to we're committing to love each other forever, but you know, love isn't enough as we know. And so it's like all of the details of the finances and the child rearing and and agreements and how are we going to fight fair and disagree, collaborate hold grace for the other person when they're going through stuff that they just brought to the table because we all have our stuff from our past, that's a pretty spicy soup that we're invited to partake in when we get married. And so from that perspective, I could see a lot of people going, yeah, we we didn't talk this stuff through. We didn't, we didn't, we, we, we just loved each other. You know, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. So agree a hundred percent. And yeah, I think that the faith-based programs have value in like forcing couples before marriage to talk about all, all those things. I'm reminded of, there's a book that the Gottmans wrote about seven dates, which takes, says like, you know, you have a date on each of those topics, like money and children and family and it's like, and they give a whole list of conversations that or questions that you have and encourage you like, it, this is not about changing the other person's perspective. It's about really listening and hearing about where do their attitudes around money come from. And then that should spark more of a conversation about compatibility. So as Karen McMahon, you said, it's not just, well, we just loved each other. So I do think that probably I'm not going to suggest that our schools should try and embark on more relationship coaching because I think they've got enough problems to handle on their curriculums as it is without getting into that mess. But it is something that we as a society, I don't think we do very well. I don't think we prepare people very well for marriage. No, I agree 100%. And and, and I would push back a little bit on, I, I mean, I agree with you, the schools have their hands full as it is. <laughs> However, are they really teaching our children the the skills that are going to be most useful for them in their lives? And what is more useful than communication, being able to yeah. talk with other people, 
relationship building? How do you get along with other people? And especially in today's world where we are getting increasingly isolated and all our kids have their noses in a computer or a cell phone all day long and they don't know how to relate to other people. So I think the schools should be teaching this kind of stuff. I would love to chime into that. You know, there there are statistics that if you put someone with a high IQ in a C-suite position and someone with a high EQ in that C-suite position, the EQ, emotional intelligence, will rock that position so much better than the high intelligence person. And so I understand that math and science and history and all of this is very important, but it's an interesting question. Would it bring value to our entire society if our children were, if part of their education involved more emotional intelligence and, and not instilling values and morals? I mean, that's that's the, the family and the parents' responsibility. But emotional intelligence is an amazing skill to have. It's just, it's so valuable in intimate relationship, uh, in relationship with the people you manage with your, you know, the people that you report to, like across the board. And it is an interesting question whether or not that is available to young people and the impact it's having if, if it's not. Well, just feeding off that, Karen McMahon, I do think that if my communication skills had been better, my marriage would have had a different course. I don't know that we would have stayed married. We could possibly have gotten divorced much sooner. Mine was a 17-year marriage. But I've often felt that I lacked the communication skills to handle some of the, the challenges that we had in the marriage. And if I'd had better communication skills, if I had the communication skills then that I have now, the outcome would have been different. And it's not just communication skills, it's conflict resolution skills. Yeah. Right? When you have, and this is something, you don't even want to get me started on this, but I think (laughs) our entire society could use right now. Why is it a bad thing that two people have two different opinions? The, the, The challenge lies is when they can't communicate or talk civilly to each other, then nobody hears anything and you end up with a big fight, argument, misunderstanding, call it what you will. If our children knew how to have a conversation where they disagreed with somebody respectfully and they could dialogue about that, we would live in an entirely different world right now. Right. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think that from my vantage point, that's that's why I talk about emotional intelligence so often. Like I, I don't know that I would have gotten married if I had a better understanding of myself, if I understood my triggers, if I had the ability to shut my mouth and use my two ears instead of my one mouth to listen and to be curious rather than judgmental. Like there are so many things that we see in these high conflict divorces that that were totally in my marriage that were just unskilled individuals coming together and it's like two porcupines and just like poking at each other until you were all bloody and ran in the other direction. I mean, that's really the story of so many high conflict marriages. There are no bad people and even people who are disordered. It's like you're traumatized, you become disordered and and you're a hot mess. But with foundational work for our society, 
yeah, I can't imagine it couldn't be a whole lot better. And certainly, let's not even get into talking about politics, uh, religion, gender choices. I mean, it's just everyone's filled with judgment and anger and and everything is polarized. The society's polarized, just like so many of my clients are polarized and and just it just wreaks havoc on everyone around. And maybe that what you said, Karen, just now was that's less about understanding the commitments of marriage, but goes back to having those conversations before you're married about what your values are. I do think you have to get to a point where there's some alignment on values between spouses. If you truly are not aligned, that's that's a um, foreboding of trouble down the line. I'm not saying you have to be perfectly aligned, but you have to understand where you're willing to compromise. So we're kind of running out of time here. And I'm wondering, Karen Covey, if you have from this survey, if there's one more like takeaway that you'd like to share, or you know, what in your experience are you seeing in your clients that you're dealing with right now? You know, the the clients that I I deal with, I I see, you know, in terms of what causes the breakdown in the marriage, it's, I agree, it's a lot of infidelity and it's a lot of growing apart, right? And I think the survey said that too in, you know, different words, but it's that, yeah, we just, we sort of, we drifted apart. We don't share, again, the same values or the same lifestyle. And in my experience, that comes down to being willing to have the difficult conversations with your spouse, you know, and with your spouse to be on the front end before you ever get married. But it's this is not a one and done, right? You don't have one hard conversation, say, okay, I'm good for the rest of my life. You know, that's not the way relationships work. So as you go along, you know, in time with your spouse, being willing to say if something bothers you, to be honest about what you're feeling and what you're thinking and dealing with the conflict that might arise in that moment as a result of your conversation. But if you don't deal with that conflict, if you don't even bring it to light and you just go, it's okay. It it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll just, you know, you bury it under the rug, so to speak. That's the kind of thing that later it builds and it builds and that's what ultimately brings that relationship down. That's when people say we went our separate ways. You went your separate ways because years ago you stopped having the honest, yeah. real conversations, right? So that's what, you know, this, this survey kind of bore that out, or at least I read it into it. And that's certainly the experience that I've had with the clients that I work with. It's like, have the courage to have the tough conversation now, and you may save yourself the trouble of getting a divorce later. That is so well said. You know, and and as I look at I like wrote down a couple of the things. So the conflicts that they had were over career choices, parenting differences, division of labor in the household, etc. And so whatever those high-level disagreements are, you, Karen Covey, just described the the broken foundation belief beneath them. It it really it's not about what we agree and disagree on as much as how do we communicate? How do we work things through? How much do I know myself? Like, what are my coping mechanisms that I brought to the marriage? Do I know that I shut down and I act like the silent martyr every time I'm upset? Do I even know that that's my behavior? Does my spouse know what his behavior is? And so 
I think that on a very foundational level, yeah, everyone picks something different to fight about. One of the things I love about Imago therapy is they're always talking about the context. It's not about, you're not fighting. It's not about the money or the sex or the kids. It's about creating a safe space, about having that difficult dialogue, about opening up your ears and putting your judgment down and giving the couple an opportunity to figure it out. And so I think that that's, we're dealing with those very foundational um, skills and experiences missing. And and so here we have well over, what is it? Over a half a million divorces a year. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you both. And I, on a more practical sense, was like, what I'm seeing right now is a lot of the clients that I'm dealing with, just the financial division of assets is really difficult in this climate with really high mortgage interest rates. And where I am, the house prices have escalated so much that people, you know, they can't qualify to refinance the mortgage to take one person off. They certainly can't qualify to refinance and do an equity buyout to buy out their partner. And if they sell the house, they can't buy two properties in the same area. So then the kids are forced to move school. So right now, I think it's it's a very challenging if, if you've got to the point of deciding that you do need to end the marriage, then it's just a really challenging environment for people to to go through doing that even more so than usual. I agree. agree. Karen's, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been, I've really enjoyed hearing your comments and your sharing your wisdom and your own experiences about divorce and reflecting on this survey from Forbes Advisor. Thank you both. Well, it was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, just a pleasure being here. Listeners, my guest today well, Karen McLaughlin. Karen is a divorce and relationship coach. Karen is also the founder of Journey Beyond Divorce, a coaching organization focused on helping men and women navigate the emotional difficulties of relationship, breakups, and divorce. And Karen Covey, who describes herself as a recovering divorce attorney. These days, Karen has a lot of hats she wears. She's a divorce coach, consultant, mediator, author, speaker, and a collaborative divorce professional. And she works with people all over the world. Thanks for listening to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy. Worthy is a selling partner you can trust to help you get the best deal possible on your diamond jewelry. Visit worthy.com to learn more and get started. If you have questions about an episode, compliments you'd like to share, or would like to be a guest, please email us at podcast at worthy.com. Follow the podcast at We Are So Worthy on Instagram or see our Facebook page, Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, for information about the show. Please see our show notes at worthy.com forward slash podcast for resources and more information about today's episode and guest. I'm your host, Mandy Walker. You can learn more about me at mandywalker.com. Huge thank yous to Worthy's production team. Listen, follow, or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. Our next episode will be live in two weeks, so stay tuned. Stay tuned.